Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Ruck. This season ends only when we say so. We'll be broadcasting this week, next week, and then throughout the England tour of South Africa. And how big is that? We'll also be touching on the other tours. Just before we go on, a statement from um, The Times. Owen Slot's disappearance from the podcast. It's nothing to do with the rumours that he's hopeless. Owen is nursing a hamstring injury, which has caused him any amount of problems we are assured he'll be back with us soon but just to make this clear he's not off the pod because he's hopeless the panel today is anything but hopeless we've got alex Lowe of the times alex uh, was at exeter on saturday revealed a remarkable statistic about the exeter team which we'll come to in a minute Adam Hathaway, the dog man, uh, king of the tabloids, has graciously consented, uh, unlike uh, the Cray twins, to cross the river today and uh, is down south with us. Uh, disastrous news from Maura the Greyhound, Adam. Yeah, she was, um, I think she's a bit of a Republican. She was running in something called the Congratulations Harry and Meghan Trophy at Hove on Saturday, came stone bonking last. So I think she's got a touch of the Cromwells about her. That's a, that's, that's a real bloody insult to the royal family. Also, for the first time, Duncan Beck from the Press Association, that August institution. Many of you will have read Duncan's stuff for years and not realised it, because the Press Association is the mainstay, would you say, Duncan, of yeah, of, um, of news in Britain? The backbone. Ha- the backbone has... <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll do the... <laughs> um, and um, every newspaper and media outlet in Britain practically uh, relies on PA, as, as Duncan says, the backbone of their news. You don't become a PA journalist without being sharp, accurate, and a serious drinker. Um, <laughs> So how did you uh, become oh, <laughs> You've got the last bit right. Also, <laughs> Duncan's dedication extends to um, a real a focus on, I think it's a former Gloucester centre, because at, on tour at night he keeps on talking to someone that sounds like Mike Tinder. <laughs> um, I knew that was going to get him. <laughs> let's be serious for a minute. It's been a huge week. The Royal Wedding. I'm a resident of the Royal Borough myself, Royal Borough of Windsor. Majestic scenes there. Windsor's never looked so good. The morale... And the this effect when two people truly in love uh, get together. Alex, I know you um, loved it as much as, as I did. Mm. The decision of Meghan Markle to have Prince Charles to walk down the aisle is that is that an insult to tradition or did it work for you? No, I thought I, I thought it was. Um, I think being given away such a kind of old feudal custom. Um, I thought it was a lovely a lovely symbol of of Meghan walking down and being welcomed into the into the family rather than being accompanied down and given away hmm. um, and it was so many modern touches she, you know she she didn't vow to obey Harry she hmm. she gave a speech afterwards at the reception 
and just a real sort of strong symbol of modernity and unity at a time when there's so much division in the world. Agreed. Adam, um, did this show again the, the, the UK's unbelievable capacity to put on these great shows? Yeah, absolutely brilliant. When you talk about the two people in love, I thought you were talking about James Haskell and Chloe. <laughs> <coughs> um, yeah, well, we do these things well, don't we, in this country? Did you think um, th- these two great nations came together, USA and England? Well, hands across the water stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, fantastic. I, I was moved by it too. Dunk um, Givenchy, <laughs> were they cut the right people to design the dress? Absolutely. I've been long-time admirers of Givenchy. Givenchy, I think it's pronounced. Givenchy, maybe, as it's pronounced in, in Paris. Yeah. I'm an out-and-out royalist, Jonesy, so hmm. I very much enjoyed the royal wedding, uh, what I was uh, able to see of it, but, and the dress. But going back to the dress, simple but beautiful, or would you prefer to have seen a bit more sort of style on it, or what? No, I think simple's best in, on an occasion like that. Um, Megan's uh, beauty speaks for itself, and the, and the dress just refined that. And did the long train work <laughs> for you? Absolutely loved it. I, I expected nothing less, to be honest. I thought that was exactly what she was going to go for, and I was proved right. Massive <laughs> stitch. <laughs> I think we did justice to rock to roll wedding there um, with our couture expert, uh, Duncan <laughs> Beck. OK, big rugby news as, as well as big couture news. Paul Gustard, the defence coach of the England team and Eddie Jones's squad, has withdrawn or is about to withdraw from the England squad under Eddie uh, completely after the forthcoming tour to join and to take a major post with Harlequins um, first of all Alex um, rather stunning this, 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 this group has been together for a long time it's approaching its, uh, its big day in just over a year's time now the key man pulls out very odd it is odd, and it raises questions which, by the time you listen to this, will have been down to the to the stoop to ask him. But it raises questions as to how England and why England can lose one of their senior coaches a year out from the World Cup. Those questions are, did he want to go? Was he unhappy in, in, a, in a set-up? We know how there's been a huge churn of, uh, of staff behind the scenes, um, but the, the core coaches have always remained the same. So did he want to go? Were England happy to lose him because maybe Eddie Jones wanted to to bring in a new voice and, and, and a new, some new ideas, I, I'd be surprised. But, um, and, and, the, and the other element, of course, is, is the, the job security and the, and the opportunity of, of being a head coach at, at Harlequins. And it's, it's, not a, it's a head coach in a, in a different setup. So he's the, he's the top man running the rugby team, which is an opportunity that he hasn't had with England, and which I think he, his talent demands. He, he's a bright, innovative coach, full of personality. And the impression that we've been given of him at England is that he's been muted, that that personality has not been given the, the chance to, to to come forth and so I can see why he might why it might be an appealing opportunity but it raises questions because by the time he leaves England there'll be one one year and nine tests before they get into that World Cup training camp and suddenly there's going to have to be a new defence coach who'll have new ideas and when Eddie joined as England head coach he said that he was going to build his England team on defence and forward play now that one of the key pillars is, is going to be leading. Duncan, um, if England had been going strong uh, near the top of the rankings and have come off the back of a good Six Nations and were expected to do well in the World Cup, surely no coach would have would have would have would have left. Is this, if it was Gustav's decision, is this a slight uh, vote of no confidence in the way the team has been going? Yeah, I'd say it has to be. I mean, for for a young coach coming in from a Premiership club, England is a dream job. Um, 15 months out from the World Cup if they were going if the team was playing well 
if there was a harmonious coaching team behind the scenes. And I just I can't see why he'd want to leave at this stage. So yeah, I do find it I do find it strange timing. If he was fully confident about where England were going, I think he would have stayed until the World Cup. Or if he was completely happy working with Eddie, working with the conditions he's, he's working with, um, I don't think he would have left. Adam, um, we heard a lot of stuff from Eddie last week about oh, I'm, I don't act on rumours. He must have known what, what, what was he must yeah. have known what was happening. Now, what we say here may well be superseded, but the, the, the thing is, did Eddie know? And um, did Gustard know a week ago and were just almost lying to us? Does this show a kind of underlying chaos in the England squad? Because, as you know, you, you guys speak to these coaches very often, but it was always Eddie that was in charge. And do you think Gustard maybe felt <clears throat> that he didn't get enough profile, enough, enough living room, enough breathing space? Well, frankly, I thought the behaviour of the RFU and coaches in Brighton last week was a disgrace. Um, my two colleagues on this side of the table both got lied to, I think. Um, Eddie said he didn't know anything about it. All Eddie had to say last Thursday was, why wouldn't you be interested in a world-class coach? That's all he had to say, end of story. The other thing is is whether, at the moment, we think that Gustav is going to go on the tour to South Africa. He should be nowhere near it because he will have his eye off the ball. However much, however much we'll get this flannel saying he's a pro, blah, blah, blah. But as you know, Steve, if you've got something better in the future or different in the future, you take it off the ball. I mean, we know for a fact that you are editing the Bulgarian Sevens monthly Hmm. from September and frankly it shows you in a copy okay <laughs> well that's fair enough I didn't want that to come out but you do want I think you're right because Eddie just said just dismissed it as rumours and when we pressed uh, pressed him on it and said you know, these aren't just rumours he's been on you know he's been interviewed twice at least by Harlequins at that point we knew he was on their three man shortlist and Eddie just comes out and, and just said oh, come to me when there's a story some bloke in the street just came up to me with a rumour now we talk about the press association's role. Duncan's job is to report faithfully what people say. All the pieces that people would have read on various websites, which um, reported Eddie Jones talking about these are just rumours and dismissing them, would have been Duncan's piece because that's his that's his responsibility. The rest of us just took the mick out of it because it was preposterous from Eddie Jones that that he didn't know about it. It was preposterous from Steve Borthwick that he hadn't spoken to Paul Gustard about it, and it shows a frank disregard to to the media for. Um, for asking legitimate questions, and, 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 and through them, the general public, and, and England's, them, England's followers. It's, it's their England team. You know, when England run out on, mm. on the on the PA system, they're introduced as your England team. They're only your England team when the RFU decide to tell you something about them. We had several goes at it, just to be told over and over again by Eddie. It's just rumours. There's no contingency plan because the, this is just a rumour. It's not a real story. Um, so we, we were doing our best on, on that front, and also the suggestion is that that Gusard will go to South Africa. As, as defence, I, I just don't see how that happens. Mm. Um, I mm. think that either he doesn't go, or England go without a, England go without a defence coach, yeah. or they appoint someone in time. But so. don't, but don't you get the next man in now for priceless time, Adam? Well, I agree with that. I mean, or you could pick somebody just for the tour. I mean, I mean, how about somebody like Brad Barrett? Take him for three weeks. He runs the best defence in the country. Well, that's very true. Any, any contenders? Brad Davis, I've seen. Yeah, Brad that, Davis, the ex Wasps mm. uh, defence coach now, Ospreys, has been talked about. I mean, you talk about Brad Barrett. He, he has, uh, as a player, he does run the best defence. The guy who who coaches that defence and, and, and has, has helped build it after Gustav left was Alex Anderson, mm. who is very highly regarded as a, as a coach. But I remember talking to him coming back for, after the Lions tour. Uh, he spent time in New Zealand and was underwhelmed by the Lions experience from a coaching point of view because you get so little time with them mm. I'd be very surprised if he would if he wanted to leave club rugby 
to work with Eddie. I'd also be surprised if Saracens let another one go, having lost yeah. Andy Farrell and Gustard to England. Well, absolutely. And actually, the way Saracens bounce back on Saturday, they're the best team in England, including England anyway. So yeah. why wouldn't you stay there? It's very difficult. It's, it's slightly on a knife edge now because some of us, I mean, I'm not saying that all of us, but some of us find that the, the selection are really bewildering. The bar bars on sun, on on Sunday, guys. Are we going to get another sort of odd selection for this, or where, where's the, what, what are you expecting? Eddie hinted last week that he'd he'd pick his strongest available team, so he was going to wait to see who was coming back after the weekend semi-finals, hmm. and then make a decision from there. But he he said he he would approach the game as a curtain raiser for the South Africa tour as a warm-up match. Um, so he was going to look to pick a stronger side. Well, it, it, in, in that case, it's going to be a surprisingly relevant barbarian game. Yes, to a degree. But that always relies on the Barbarians bringing their side of the bargain. And they're actually picking a, a pretty dangerous-looking team um, mm. with, with Chris Ashton involved. And, and I think four players from, from Toulon, Bundyaki is going to be there. It, it's, a, it's a strong Barbarians team. And, and they'll only have a week together, most of it in the pub. But, but England, England will use it as a warm-up game. I, I'm not a big fan of these games. I have to say, I think there are so many matches played. And, and if, it's, if it's a fundraiser for the RFU, then... That their head coach probably shouldn't be going around saying it's just a warm-up game. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I mean, you know, the, even the barbars and they'll become a big game for goodness' sake. Adam, you're a great barbars man. Always have always been. You're the big oyster and uh, Guinness man. What yep. term? Surely now, you've got to get rid of some games sometime. But now, even the barbars is life or death. Well, yeah, and we had that preposterous game against Wales a few years ago, a couple of years ago. That's um, the Six Nations, that was. What are no. you talking about? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, the one in May. All right, yeah, that <clears> one. <throat> oh, absolute rubbish. You should either tr- treat it one way or the other. Either treat it as a good old drink-up, which the Barbarians will, and they'll mm. probably play some good rugby. The England team will be unrecognisable from what turns up at Ellis Park in uh, in June. Um, I'll just ignore it, to be honest. Right. The golf's on, anyway. Fair enough. Always nice to be with the real rugby professionals. <laughs> yeah, the golf is on. <laughs> Guys, um, just been to see two fascinating semi-finals in the Aviva Premiership. Uh, Sarri's um, overpowered Was. Was did come back with some with some stings, with some brilliant play, but never going to win. And on the subject of never going to win, uh, was it ninety-one percent possession Exeter had in the first half, Alex? More, 90, down there, ninety-three. Staggering uh, stats. Stag- staggering stats, but um, in. in a staggering game in many ways. All those tries, 90 points. Crowd absolutely loved it. Sorry, Saracens have been way off the pace this year. You look at their injury list, it's staggering. But then you look on Saturday, most of them are back and just one or two like Michael Rhodes back on the bench, Skelton back on the bench. Did we suddenly remind ourselves, if we need reminding, what they can do when they are all there? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think that first 20 minutes, Mark McCool referenced it himself. He said probably the best he's seen Saracens play yeah. um, and it's very hard to, to disagree with that they, they were exceptional it was, it was very simple rugby big forwards running hard onto the ball it was unstoppable for Was and, and Dai Young referenced it after he said he knew what was coming he'd sort of tried to prepare the players for what was coming but they were just powerless to stop it and, and when Saracens are playing like that it's hard to see any team in Europe stopping them Adam um, the so-called exhausted players um, Mako Vunipola <laughs> Maro Itoji, they look absolutely shattered, didn't absolutely they? Absolutely knackered. <laughs> Mako was un- unbelievable. Yeah. I wish I was as knackered as him. Um, <laughs> Saracens are coming with a run at the right time. They basically get their players fit. The only two guys who might have got in their 23 who weren't available were Liam Williams and Duncan Taylor. Mm. Um, I mean, Mako was off the scale. Maro's brilliant. Jamie George, fantastic. One guy who doesn't get the credit he deserves is Vincent Cock, yeah. who is 
it could be a thorn in the flesh of England in the summer. Yeah, it was confirmed to me by someone I trust that he'll be the prop. England will come up against him. Yeah. Like, my God, he was... I mean, as Duncan said, that first bit was was just absolutely unstoppable. I can't think of any team that could have stopped them in for those first couple of scores. Well, I thought it was going to be 100 after 20 minutes. They were unbelievable. If, I mean, if Wasp couldn't have stopped them with a cannon. It'd be interesting to see if they played that Leinster game, European quarter-final. If that was to happen now, how would that have turned out? It, interesting. We'll, maybe we'll give um, Arthur first, first say on that because Leinster were, were, were excellent against the racing, not absolutely dominant, which they can be. I think that we... Possibly they just left a showed one or two um, um, weaknesses. I don't know. I, I still haven't seen anyone who is as good as Saris the way Saris play. Not when they had those players, but but, but on the weekend they got blimey. And I spoke to to Shalk Bridge last week, and I said, "Did you enjoy the uh, European Cup final?" He said, "I couldn't watch it." He said, "We played when we played Leinster. They were good, but we we had men down and." I, th- I don't think many other people could have watched it. And let's say for now, rather than say one's better than the other. Uh, Alex, that um, God next next year it'll be a clash. You know the dopey way they do the, the uh, <laughs> pools. They'll probably be in the same pool. Yeah. Alex, uh, Sarri's uh, let's say reports their demise have been staggeringly premature. Yeah, absolutely, and they're misguided. That they went through they went through a really tough. They've been through the toughest season that they've had in since their rise to the top. Um, the injury list has been ridiculous. They've had in, they've had call ups and they've had they've had sort of setbacks which they're not that used to. Um, and they've they're just finishing like a train this season, and and you know you look at that you talk about that European Cup final. I thought Racing found a way to stop Leinster from playing. Leinster found a way to win, hmm. but Racing blew it as well. You know, I, I think if if you if you were to put Saracens into that position, Saracens find a way to stop Leinster playing, but then don't blow it in the last ten minutes. Correct. Um- Guys, there's another uh, species of player uh, out there on the weekend in both matches. People who were, were assumed to be either injured or tired and couldn't didn't go on the tour, like Jack Nowell and Richard Wigglesworth. They they didn't look too tragic to <clears> me. <throat> that was slightly odd. But um, just staying at uh, Allen's Park at the moment, uh, Adam, Danny Cipriani, uh, Guy Thompson didn't actually show why Dyes Young is letting them go. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said this before. I mean, the, the Danny thing is... Well, you know, if you can't, if your manager is supposed to manage people, so we'll put that one to bed. The Thompson thing is absolutely inexplicable. Leicester will get a full Premiership season out of him. The bloke was fantastic when he came on on uh, Saturday. Just a dynamic ball carrier. Does I think he's a terrific player, but you know, obviously Premiership's not good enough, so he's not going to get a look in for England. Dan, Danny, I thought Danny. I mean, people talk about playing flat to the line that that Ford does, etc. Danny is right on the line and putting people through, and uh, I just think he's, he, he's just so so talented. Um, uh, Duncan, um, first question we asked to Mark McCall, asked by one of the senior journalists, was great win, but defence, where was that? Because Danny and um, and um, Willie DeRue did pick them apart. Any cause for concern there? Bearing in mind that Exeter are not going to be playing like that. Yes, definitely, but you, you'd back Saracens to, to get that sorted within the week. I mean, it was... Mark McCall said it was a very un-Saracens-like defensive display, and, mm. it, and it was. They, they were picked apart a little bit too easily, but but they were so far ahead. I think it was 30 points to five just 40, in the 42nd minute. They're so far ahead. Sorry, um, Was never had much of a chance of coming back, although Danny Cipriani did his best. Um, I mean, Owen Farrell was outstanding. It, it was a complete mm. fly-half performance, but as an attacking fly-half, I just think Danny Cipriani is out there by himself, and, and Eddie Jones has to find a way to incorporate him into the team I don't know how that's done but he's got to 
it's going to be a real challenge of his management and his coaching, but he's got to find a way of, of involving Danny. Should should mention Owen Farrell, mind in his way, was just uh, awesome. Alex? I think um, Duncan's right about Cipriani, but it's also the way that Cipriani combines with Vili LaRue. Mm. They are the, probably the sharpest attacking team in the country, so it's it's of no disgrace that Saracens would, would be cut open by them. I also think there's a slight... This season, there's been a slight shift in emphasis at Saracens. Talked to Alex Anderson at the start of the season, and they looked at last year and how they they conceded um, 100 fewer points than anyone else, but didn't score that many more. And they they made a decision to to just shift the balance of of their training, understanding that they could afford to concede a few more points, knowing that, that the accent would be placed on their attack. And you know they outscored the sharpest attacking team in the country. They scored more tries mm. than anyone else, and so. Um, Exeter won't play that way. I mean, they, they, Exeter have um, Joe Simmons and, and Henry Slade, who dovetail beautifully as two playmakers, but but they, they won't play in the same way as, as Wasps. There's one more point from me, and that is that um, Christian Wade's not on this England tour, and Mar- Marlon Yard is. Wade, anyone who thinks he's the Wade that he was two years ago is talking nonsense because he's bigger, he's terrific in the air, his defence is excellent, and his cutting edge is magnificent. And for him to be banished, to me, is is ridiculous. Let's just go on to to Sandy Park, and uh, in the Times this morning, Alex, you you revealed the stat because none of us had thought about it that their starting team for the semi final was twelve different to 11. to the, was it eleven eleven yeah so to to the to the final last year. Now that is amazing. Just shows how they develop players. But um, what's the other? What's the background to that? Well, it, a lot of it is is. Um, Key players have, have left. So remember Jeff Parling started that final. He he's now he's now left. Um, ben Moon was the starter. Jack Yander was a starter in the final last year. This season, Cowan Dickey has, has claimed that position now for himself. Alec Hepburn has come through. He's capped. Johnny Hill has taken over from Jeff Parling. Is now in an England squad. It's a slightly misleading stat because Harry Williams did start the final. Was injured the weekend. Slade was on the bench last year. Started mm. the weekend. But but the general point is um, that. That Exeter don't go to Twickenham feeling like they're there to defend their title. This is a new team, effectively in their eyes, that has got them to Twickenham. They're there to win it again. Um, you know, you have Sam, Sam Simmons is now an established number eight. Last year, it was it was Thomas Waldrum, and they just the, the really impressive thing about about them at the weekend was I mean those statistics were I've, I've never seen anything like it. That first half, ninety three percent possession. I think Newcastle had made over one hundred and fifty tackles by half time, and Exeter had made ten. I mean, it was or nine. It was it was, and yet and yet it was only sixteen nil. And you'd think with all that with all that pressure and territory, Exeter would have been out of sight. Newcastle defended doggedly, hmm. but what Exeter didn't do was get flustered by not being able to take all of those chances. They scored right before half time. So up until the the big half time, it was it was nine nil. And you'd imagine that a team with with all that opportunity and not scoring would get frustrated, hmm. and they didn't. They just trusted. That it was going to come. They, they played that you know, when Newcastle make as many tackles as they did. They're not going to last the 80 minutes. And, and Exeter just they just kept going and and stayed composed and unflustered, and and it duly came. And then and it was it was one of those games that seemed to have all these things you don't often see. Alex Tate um, scored a try for for Newcastle, and then Lockie Turner charged down Toby Flood's conversion. Alex Tate then got over the line again and dropped it with no one near him. It's just one of those games that was full of bizarre mm. things that you never see. But the one constant was was extra doing what extra do adam um what uh, alex is saying there is it, it, it is frightening because they are an incredibly young side and and so could well be coming back year after year well they're, they're not going anywhere for that's for sure but i 
I do fancy Saracens on Saturday because they really have got the bit between their teeth and they are smarting from what happened last year. Hmm. But I agree, the extra production line is fantastic. I mean, Baxter, they keep coming up with these um, homegrown players and kids. When you think they've got a big game like they had on Saturday, semi-final, don't start. Steenson would have been unthinkable a year ago. Sure, sure. Duncan, Exeter, should they be shut down in the areas of strength, which takes some doing even for Saracens, should they be shut down? Have they got, and we'll come to Alex with the same question, have they got somewhere to go in which they're still proficient to win them the game if they don't do it with short yardage? I think that'll be a question that we'll find out the answer to on, on, on Saturday. It's a fascinating final. It's the final this season's Premiership deserves. They've been far and away the two best teams in the competition. Exeter have just set it light from the start. And Saris are coming. Have timed their run very well. They've got their, they've got a lot of their injured players back, um, almost at full strength. And this, I think, this is a game when we'll find out how good Exeter really are. I mean, mm. that's their third time in the final in a row. They were well beaten in the same final in 2016. I think this is when we find out against a full bore mm. Saris just how good they are. I think if if, if Saracens win that physical battle, what you're saying is can Simmons and Slade conjure up another way to open up Saracens, and and that's. That is a test that Joe Simmons hasn't yet really been through. I mean, he's never been. He's never played at Twickenham. He had an armchair ride at the weekend, and he would, there were times when his, his his kicking game and management was 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 perfect. He had beautiful kicks to the corner, landing half a foot in from touch. But he had the time, and he wasn't being harried. That's the question. And and Slade Slade is a beautiful player with space, and, and he can and he can run. But if if that game, if that short carrying game gets shut down by Saracens who have guys with with the power to do that then then, then the big question for Exeter is can they find another way OK we're going to go across the panel now look we, we all know that uh, we're putting ourselves on the line it's not going to be much in there but Adam you fancy Saris? yeah by six by Saris by six Duncan uh, Saris Alex yeah I'd say Saracens as well I'm tempted to, to say there might be a, a repeat of extra time as there was hmm. last season because it could be tight but I just think we talked about that you know what would have happened if Saracens had been in the European Cup final? I just think they know they're, they're on. They're on. They've got ahead of steam, and they know how to win these games. All I'll say is that no one ever got rich betting against um, Exeter, and uh, we've written them off. Well, they'd be written off sometimes, but I, I I'm agree. Not I agree. Them off. No, I know we're not yeah. writing them off. I think it'll be unbelievably close, yeah. and um, we're probably going to record two predictions by me here, <laughs> and then use the one that um, <laughs> use the one that comes in. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We've got another final this weekend. Clanathlete uh, in the final of the Pro 14. We'll be going to Leinster and staggeringly... Leinster are playing at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin for the 48th consecutive time. I'm quite sure what happened to away at home advantage and away advantage in that. They seem to be there all the time. God bless them. The Glasgow-Slanethley game on uh, Friday evening in Scotstown was meant to be a shootout between Dave Rennie of Glasgow and Wayne Pivak of Slanethley, of the Scarlets rather, um, both in line to be the Welsh coach, both Kiwis. Well, if it was down to that, Wayne Pivak has come romping home because the Scarlets were absolutely dominant their game management the way they were up for it the way they played it they really were in a different class and uh, the likes of uh, Scott Williams Hadley Parks also a man I've never really warmed to Reese Patchell had a magnificent game for the Scarlets really disappointing for Glasgow they've got to kick on again they seem to be slightly becalmed on the fringes of, of, of greatness not quite there but with Edinburgh coming up, that'll give them a, a kick in the backside. Scarlets, do they have a chance in Le- in Leinster? We've been talking about one or two things that, that have appeared uh, which give teams that play Leinster hope, but does anyone think they can go there and do what they did last year and, and, and take the title in Dublin? I, I would just say, if, if, if you're talking about this as an 80-minute audition between Rennie and Pivac, I think Pivac is... I'd be amazed if they go anywhere else, Wales. I think he's, he's building up a... You know, such a reputation there for delivering winning rugby and uh, entertaining rugby. You know, they're filling Barky Scarlet. I- I'd be amazed if, if the WRU were to look beyond him for, uh, for the Wales job. But can the Scarlets go into Leinster territory for their to, to this, for this neutral final and win? I think they'll be up against it just on the basis of, of, of Leinster, some of their key men. I, I can see them doing the double. Adam, uh, you you not very fond of the Welsh as a nation or as a, as a rugby nation. <laughs> do you um, do you think it's good though that at last there's a there's a Welsh team coming through because there's not been one for so long? I think it's a bit harsh, Jonesy. To be honest, I'd be surprised if they beat Leinster though. I mean, if you Leinster just got past uh, Munster in the other semi final, if I can get one word of praise for Stuart Lancaster out of you, my work is done and I can retire. Okay, you won't be retiring for a bit. Then. <laughs> Actually, the, the only other thing is the, the only way they could get closer is to have the game in Stuart Lancaster's lawn. Then they'd be really home. It has been a decent season for Wales, hasn't it? I mean, the Six Nations they were better than than most people anticipated. Challenge Cup final winners, and now and now Scarlets in, in the final. It, it, it's been a positive season, I'd say, for Welsh rugby overall. It, it has, and, and but I, I just think that you know Scotland are just on the verge. They just cannot make that last step. It's a great shame for them. They haven't got anyone in the final. I, I think it'll be a great final. Llanelli really didn't show against uh, Leinster uh, in a match that was again at the Aviva Stadium not so long ago in in Europe. But uh, great chance for them today with Ken Owens leader. Now that is a real leader, Ken Owens leader. They've they've got a chance. Um, Dunk, we'll have a prediction from you. It must um, be Leinster. Absolutely, it's going to be Leinster. I think it's a repeat of the Euro semi-final, and we saw the way that went. Right, in Dublin convincing Leinster win. Yeah. On the subject of home games, um, on the weekend the National Cup 
for Colts in England was won by Maidenhead. Amazingly, including some plays that I coached, but they seem to have turned out all right despite that. A great moment for Maidenhead, but a little bit more than that, Colts rugby. It is an absolutely amazing scenario, an amazing scene, and an amazing, amazing arena. But it's been tortured and stabbed by people. The RFU, for one, cut off the the top of it, and there's no longer under-19 Colts who went to, to under-18s. As the senior age group, wrong guys, more and more people leave the game because of the huge gap now between teenage rugby and senior rugby. It's too much. You've got to change it and bring back under-19s. Whenever someone puts together a Colts team, if players are always having to go away to silly county sessions, to sevens, to academies and things like that, and and, uh, then kept in by public schools don't really want them. It is a massive arena, RFU. If you really want to boost the numbers, get people playing Colts, get them older and put something behind it. And also get the rest of the season out of the way so they can field teams. So good luck to Maidner, but also good luck to every other Colts team in the uh, in the arena and in England and everywhere it is a time and it is a place where players need to be nurtured guys you three are all uh, amongst the hardest working here not long left of the season now are we looking forward to it with a desperation or are we still excited about what's left Alex yeah I'm looking forward to the, to the final on, on Saturday at Twickenham you're still looking forward to the final, <laughs> <laughs> the final at Twickenham but a break is needed not just for the players because yeah. next season is a 12-month campaign going through to the World Cup and beyond. So, um, yeah, a couple of down weeks will be welcome. Duncan, you you have to be at every game and every press conference. Yeah, and Saturday's final is a game that I'm looking forward to being at. I think it's a fascinating match. We, we've backed Saris, all of us have backed Saris to win it, but I think it'll be a great game with Exeter pushing them very close. And beyond that, we have the England tour, South Africa, and you just get the feeling that England are quite delicately poised at the moment they've lost three in a row they've had people saying that could be six Warren Gatlin obviously said Mm. that could be six in a row with potentially a rejuvenated South Africa coaches leaving leaving. is there a bit of disunity there behind the scenes Um, so it's a a really important tour for England that could go two people still fighting Uh, Adam you service about 47 uh, papers (laughs) 44 tabloids and three broadsheets Um, have you had enough you must. You've, you've earned so much money this year, but are you still? Are you still? Are you still up for more bunts work? Uh, well, the beach house in Barbados is getting uh, redecorated at the moment. I'll tell you what, though. Um, after Saturday, I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks R and R, a bit of cricket, and a bit of golf, because Arthur's just really depressed me. Because uh, England go into World Cup camp in July, then it go all through the World Cup, then we'll go all through another Six Nations at the end of the season. That will be about 1,500 press conferences. The games will be brilliant. The press conferences will mostly be drivel. <laughs> okay, well, the one thing I'm looking forward to is getting on the bullet train. It's something I haven't done today, I can assure you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Ruck. Write to us, keep in touch with us, keep downloading us. Stay with us till the end of the season. We'll all be there. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.